Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and this week we've got a special interview. Uh, If you're in a situation where you feel like you've got to win a new client every month, this particular interview I think is going to be really useful for you. I'm talking with Jason Resnick. Jason helps other freelancers through coaching and community to build businesses that are sustainable through niching down and creating recurring revenue. He's a freelancer himself since 2010, uh, absolutely loves serving his clients. We were talking before we turned on the uh, recording that he, he loves just delivering the service work. Um, and he's also built a tremendous community and lots of resources for freelancers and service professionals who are trying to figure out how do I get to a place where I've got a really sustainable and healthy business. And um, Jason, it's just a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for taking some time and, and investing it with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Steve, for having me. I appreciate being here. So just to give everybody a little bit of context, why don't, why don't you give them kind of the, the, the quick background? What got you to this stage of your career? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for the awesome intro. I mean, that sums up everything that I'm all about for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but to get to where I am today, I mean, it was it's a long game, obviously, um, but it was always something of which I always wanted to do. I wanted to be able to have time, freedom, flexibility to live life, to be there for the, to hear those first words and see those first steps of my children, um, to be able to just take off a random Tuesday afternoon uh, because it was a nice day out and not have to ask permission to do so. Um, And this is all, I knew this way too early in my life. Um, I still remember to this day at which the point of realizing that, and I was a stock boy at the age of 15 at a fabric store, um, literally organizing zippers. And I said, this is not any sort of fun at all for a teenage boy to be doing. Um, But, you know, obviously not thinking about family and all that, but I just knew at that point in time that I wanted to have my own time. Like if I was an adult and I was making decisions for my life, I wanted to be able to do the things I wanted to do. Um, And so I loved web development as soon as I first saw it in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Um, While I was in college, I've worked for a number of different agencies, both large and small, um, very niche agencies and very large body shop type agencies where it was just, hey, we're billing you out at this rate. Go learn the thing that that client needs you to learn. Um, and I also worked for Fortune 100 companies as well as you know smaller mom and pop companies as well. Um, but I always knew I wanted to freelance. And I went out on my own in the early 2000s um, as a result of, as a result of the dot-com implosion uh, where all the startups went away, everything went. I was a part of a large corporate, uh, large consultancy firm at that point, and they were laying off people left and right. Um, and I said, hey, I got a skill. I can do web development. I'm going to go out on my own. Um, fast forward about 18 months, I had to go get another job because the skill was fine. It was all the other things, the business end, the marketing side of things, the sales, the client management, all of those things I didn't have any experience in. So I had to pay bills, went and got an agency job, 
because I knew that very, very well. But all the time I knew I was going to <laughs> learn everything I could and leave that job um, and do it again. So as you said, in 2010, I again, I've been doing now my own business, my own services business since then, um, and learning how to delight customers, um, really be able to create an experience for them in a way that I stand out. And I think that that's critical to a service-based business because it, a lot of it is commoditized, but commodity goes right out the window when the experience is memorable. So that's what I'm big about and trying to do for my clients. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, there's not uh, an industry, at least that I can think of, certainly not uh, with all the, the ones we talk with that hasn't been impacted by commoditization. You know, and I love that you focus on experience because that to me, that experience and relationship are the two differentiators that are really hard for somebody to take away from you. And they're hard to copy. You know, mm -hmm. relationships almost impossible to copy. I mean, everybody gets frustrated by the client that you really want to have that has got a buddy that, you know, he's known, known since college that is always going to have that account, right? Um, and the same thing with experience. I mean, it's hard to pull someone away when they're, when they just, every time you interact with them, it's, it's all already sort of pre thought out. So I think it's a great focus. So when you did, when you went out kind of in the beginning, the, the first time you made the foray in, into your own business, it sounds like you didn't understand how to create that experience and, and keep the client for the long term and do all that. What changed? Well, that first first foray was a trial, really. I look at it as a trial period um, because, like I said, I didn't know how to build a sales pipeline. I didn't know how to market myself. I didn't know how to do those things. So it was always like I was chasing my tail for that next project. Um, and I wanted to be better at that. I wanted to figure out what that was all about and how do you do that, right? Um, being a technical person like I am, I'm a web developer, I'm in code all day long. Um, so I always wanted to know what the formula was, right? Like I'm very analytical and data driven by that. So I didn't know if there was one, I didn't know if there was a recipe or some magic pill that I could take, but I just, when I went back, I, I made friends with sales people really trying and and as an introvert myself or introverted tendencies i have that was difficult for me like i had to try to get over that hump of like this is a different area of the brain that needs to be working on all cylinders in order to do this so i just basically learned from what they were doing be perceptive listen trying to figure out what all the things i need to do but also I wanted to make it my own. Like I wanted my own experience. Um, it had to be natural from my end uh, as well, right? So yeah, I wanted to get clients, but I wanted to get clients that also didn't mind who I was and you know, not buy into something that maybe I wasn't, right? And that that for me was critical. And and you kind of had to I I had to find my own way in that um, to be able to do that. So when I struck out again on my own in 2010 much of the same even though i had contracts in place and i had a plan and i had marketing and i was doing all the things i guess mechanically that you were supposed to do um 
still had pipeline filled, uh, I felt burnt out right around the two year mark again. So in 2012 ish. Um, and it was like, what, what's going on? Maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Like, I don't know why this is, this is so hard or, or the emotion, like I was literally drained. But what I found was, I mean, and ironically, I mean, this was at the time at which I just proposed to my then girlfriend and now wife. Um, and I told her, I said, look, I think I'm going to have to go get a full-time job. I mean, I think it's just, I don't know, maybe this isn't working for me. I don't know. There's just something not right and emotionally drained, exhausted, like everything burnt out. And she, and I, this to this day, that's what happened was she looked at me and she said, but that's not what you want to do. I know that and you know that. Um, so we'll figure it out one way or the other. And I'm like, wait, what? Like you didn't telling me not to go get a job. <laughs> um, but you know, and she's the rock. She, she totally like, she wants to know where things are, you know, all the ducks got to be lined up in a row. So, uh, you know, ha having her on that up and down roller coaster that we call the feast of famine wasn't something that I wanted to do for her. Cause I knew that, you know, she wasn't built that way. Um, so I really just tried to figure it out. Like I literally sat on my couch in my apartment at night after a full day of 15 hours of coding, trying to figure out and analyze my business. Um, and what I found out was that I was chasing my tail because I was doing, I was very much a generalist. I was a, you know, Ruby on Rails developer. I was PHP developer. And then I would go back to a Ruby on Rails. And it was this constant cycle of relearning or catching up. And that wasn't good for me, for my brain, for anybody that was around me. Um, and I wasn't positioning myself as an expert in, in anything. Like I, yes, I focused in on e-commerce, but it just was more of a, you know, a dog chasing his tail kind of thing. And so I literally sat down for about four nights, um, a good chunk of hours each night, maybe about three or four hours a night, analyzing my business, analyzing my clients analyzing who I was and what I wanted to do and what I was passionate about. Um, and to be able to, just, then I didn't know what I was doing, but looking back on it now, it's, it was, I was specializing in my business. I, you know, so few business owners actually stop to think about what they're doing. Um, I, that may be some of the best advice we uncover here today. And I know we have a, a lot more to go, but um, but you know, that, that one little act, uh, um, uh, to me, I think is invaluable. Um, a lot of people are just going through the motions mm -hmm. and they're, they're running and running and running, trying to just keep it going, particularly when they start out. Um, I remember when I started this business, I mean, you don't know who you're selling to, you know, you really don't know how to market to them or how they're going to buy. Um, there's all these unknowns. And so you're doing all this experimentation and it feels like you're just on this treadmill where nothing ever works until you get that one little thing. And then that might give you a clue, but it may not ultimately lead you in the right direction. It's just, you, you got this one thing to work. And so, I, I mean, I think sitting down and, and uh, you know, just analyzing it, I think the way you did it is, is, is really smart. Um, you know, for folks listening, I think that that's a takeaway right there that if you're not doing that and, and probably doing it on a regular basis, 
you're probably not optimizing your business for your own happiness. Yeah, I, I've and I've done that four times in my business, uh, but by now I've I've kind of got a framework wrapped around it. Um, but yeah, I've done that four times, three of which have proven fruitful for my business. One of which actually had me steer clear of a road that I was thinking about going down. So um, it's definitely something that I value in my business. Um, and I definitely suggest anybody else to do the same. That's great. So I want to take a quick break. We're going to come back though. And I want to talk about the feast and the famine because your, your tagline is live in the feast. And, uh, and I know that, that everybody listening will be able to relate to that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how to live in the feast with Jason Resnick. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon. We're talking with Jason Resnick. And uh, Jason, tell us how to live in the feast. How did you, number one, how did you come up with that? I think it's a, an awesome tagline, but um, but what, what really drove it? What Where did it come from? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it comes from the feast or famine cycle. I mean, that's like the notorious hamster wheel of the freelancer, right? Um, to be able to get yourself out of the famine and stay in that feast, right? Uh, meaning having a healthy and sustainable business, meaning you can predictably you know, know where the money's coming from, know where to go get it if you need to, uh, service clients in a way that they want to refer you work, um, all of these things, right? To build that profitable freelance business, that's what I call living in the feast. Um, it's, it took me a long time to come up with that. Um, I'm terrible at naming things, to be honest with you. Uh, Reds.com with three Z's. It's a, basically my video game handle when I was a teenager and I just <laughs> never changed it, right? Uh, so I'm not one for that kind of thing. So it's just, but it, it resonated with me and I knew that it would resonate with a lot of other people as well. And, you know, that's, that's what, that's what it is. I mean, as a freelancer, you want to get out of the famine all the time and you want to stay clear of it and you want to always know where that next project is because you essentially decided to become a freelancer, or start your own business or an agency or consultant, or whatever you call yourself. You ultimately started that because of something else. You didn't want to work more. You didn't want more bosses. You wanted time freedom. You wanted to get travel, be a digital nomad, you wanted to spend time with your family, whatever that other thing is, that's what your goal is. So why are we always chasing that next project as our goal? So that's, that's kind of the, the, the behind the scenes on, on living in the feast. So how do we get there? You know, I know you, you publish a lot of information for freelancers and I know that you've kind of got a methodology for this. So walk us through for somebody listening, how they can get to the point where they don't have to go through that cycle anymore. 
Yeah. Um, one thing is, and it worked for me. So, uh, you know, I take a page out of Jason Fried and DHH is dog fooding, right? So if it worked for me, it could work for somebody else. Um, is specialization, niching down, whatever you want to call it. It's finding your thing that you could be the expert in and the go-to person. So that when somebody says the thing that you do, oh, I immediately think it's Steve. Oh, Jason does this, right? So you want that immediate reaction, that knee-jerk reaction to be referable in that way. So how I go about doing that, and we kind of touched upon it was, was I wanted to know how I did it myself. And when I analyzed it and brought it back to that time of sitting on my couch at night, whole hours of the morning, whatever, um, it was really analyzing what clients I wanted to work with, what clients I didn't want to work with, um, and then finding the commonalities between those those buckets, right? Um, and it's a framework that is as simple as just taking an hour and for 10 minutes, think about all the projects, all the types of people, all the aspirational projects and companies that you want to work for and do that for 10 minutes. Take a break. And for another 10 minutes, do the opposite of that. Like what, you know, just, and think about just the actual project or, and or company and or person, right? Don't think about the whys at this point um, and do that for 10 minutes Then take a break, step aside, come back after five minutes or so, and then do the commonality portion of this exercise is look at the, the, the common elements among all of those things that you like. And it could be, they don't micromanage me. Uh, they're funny, right? Like, uh, I enjoy e-commerce work, right? All of these things, whatever the, the, if you can identify a characteristic in about 75% of those projects, you write that down. And then you do the same thing for the other projects that you don't want to work with. And what comes out of that exercise is one, you have an immediate red flag list, right? For any client that comes your way, the ones that you don't want to work with, just put that list. And I had this list on my monitor for a long time. Uh, just put that list in front and center because if somebody ticks off a couple of them, all right, that's not, it doesn't matter if, and I'm a diehard Mets fan, but if they show up at my door knocking on my door, that's a red list already, a red flag already, right? Because I don't want that. So I just encourage anybody to try to figure out the types of projects they want and to get out of that feast or famine is to weed out those bad clients. Like you really have to, Focus in on the good clients that you want to work with and then pass on all the other ones. And it, it's a hard thing to do the first time, but you will get better at it. And the other projects are right around the corner anyway. So the thing is, is the hard thing with my coaching clients that happens is because they're stuck in that hamster wheel, they don't have that queue of good clients. They have a lot of bad clients in that pipeline right and so i say just keep saying no like until that next one comes right because that if you say yes to a bad client today and it could be let's say it's a low budget right and you don't want to work with low budget clients anymore you say they eat up two weeks of your time with the project 
a good client comes after a week, what can you do? You can't start working with them because your time's up, right? So saying no to people now allows you to say yes to the good clients. And that's the first step is really to try to figure out what is a good client, what is a bad client with you. Um, and you, you sort of take it from there. You know, it's interesting. The, the advice is so simple, right? You just don't take the clients that you don't want. But I know there are people listening to this right now who, who are maybe in that situation where they're taking clients that they'd rather not take, but they're afraid not to. I mean, it takes a lot of courage when you don't have a ton of new opportunities flowing to you to say no to any of them. How, how do you work with someone who's kind of in that situation to push through it? Well, I say if you've done this exercise, right, you know the bad clients, you have a whole bunch of bad clients in your queue waiting to work with you, you say no to them. Then you take your good list and you go find them. Where are those people, right? So let's just, I mean, case in point for me, it's easy because I could just rattle it off, but it's online, established online businesses, right? I don't want people that don't have an online business and need an e-commerce store or whatever, right? So it's an established online business, um, small business, right? Less than 15 employees. Um, and somebody who's easily, easy to talk to and you can't know that initially but during the sales process you can do that um so i'll go seek out those things i'll look on the social web like twitter and linkedin and facebook and seek conversations and if you if you have no work and i say this all the time look if you don't have anything to do today spend the next eight hours talking to people right like it's just that simple just go talk to people go find somebody to have a conversation with because even if that doesn't become fruitful at the end of the day, and it seems like it was a waste of time, you just had a conversation with a whole bunch of people and they know, now know that you're available for work. And maybe they have a friend or a colleague or somebody else that knows that you, you know, has the thing that you need to do. Um, <clears throat> the other thing to your point, it, it is difficult. I've said to people a lot of times is put your price on your website. Right? If, let's say they don't have the price there, right? If you want to work with a certain budget and that's like a, a must have for you, right? Then you have to put your price on the website and then they'll say, but then all my leads will dry up. Okay. Where's the problem there? Right? Exactly. Because you've wasting all of this time with clients that you don't even want to work with. So why, if you have zero leads today, that's great <laughs> because those are just tire kickers anyway. So yes, it's hard to do. Um, but once you do it, you'll be like, why didn't I do this before? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it takes a lot of courage, but, um, you know, sort of, sort of like learning to ride a bike. There, there's no way to learn other than to do it. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to fall down a couple of times, might get a skinned knee, but you got to go do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so once we've niched down and we know who we want to work with, uh, you know, and you've kind of got that focus and you're, you're starting to take on those things. What's the next step? The next step is trying to figure out a way to differentiate yourself and the easiest way to do this. And it's again, it's something that's so simple. It's just being yourself, but following up, um, showing up to the party, 
and being consistent is critical. I mean, I've done some research on this. Basically, <laughs> a decision maker takes five pieces of content to even want to talk to a salesperson. And then it takes five pieces, five follow-ups to close a deal. So when I say to somebody, and I ran a, a very informal poll on Twitter in, back in November, over 80% of people had no follow-up, right? Over 50% said no, and there was a good chunk, I think it was like 25% said that they just have an email that says, just checking in on it. I just wanted to know Oh my the God, status, no, right? not, not the just checking in email. Right. I hate so, that one. <laughs> so, it, and it shocks me because people are like, how do I stand out from the crowd? Well, 41% of salespeople stop following up after one email. So if you want to stand out from the crowd, then you send a follow-up email, send another follow-up email, send another until you get to five, because that seems to be the magic number. And then if inside each one of those emails, you give them a resource, a link, a download, a video, maybe a piece of content that you did, that positions you as somebody who knows, the, knows what they're talking about and can add value to the conversation. And that's it. No, hey, let me know if you have any questions. Let me, you know, let's get on a phone call. None of that. Just sending that email with a value add and a link in there and a couple, maybe a couple of bullet points if you really want to be an overachiever. But that is enough to give them the nudge to say, oh, yes, I need to get back to this person. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I see so many people. In fact, I was on LinkedIn earlier. I mean, you can do this through LinkedIn and people do it all the time. And I accepted somebody's connection request and, I, and they had to have like one of those auto responders on there. Right. And I get four paragraphs, <laughs> four paragraphs of a pitch. Like I just connected with you on LinkedIn. Like I don't, <laughs> even, like, I don't even know where you are. I get 50 of those a day. So, you know, I, I think people, they're, so they're so, two things I think happen. Number one, you get no follow-up because people are afraid to be a pest. Mm -hmm. So they try and cram it all into one, which actually ends up in the four paragraph pitch where you're trying to get everything that you would have said over the course of maybe five short little benign messages all in one and you're trying to sell, which doesn't really work. Um, you know, and, and you're going after it too fast. You're trying to create a relationship in all of this. And I think that's what most people forget. They think, oh, I'm in, I'm in sales mode. So I need to be a salesperson instead of just being a person, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, in listening to these, these two ideas, I think they tie together in an important way. So you, you mentioned kind of following up and maybe sharing a piece of, of content that, that you've created. Um, I think that's a, a huge way to establish your authority and your expertise, particularly when you're starting out and you're trying to get traction. If you have a point of view about how to do something that works, you'll get people to pay attention. But the problem is if you don't do the first step that you shared with us, which is niching down, you can't create that piece of content because you're trying to create it for all seven and a half billion people on the planet and you don't know what to talk about. 
Yes, it, it does become exponentially hard that way. Yeah, you yeah. Do, it's definitely step one and step two. Um, and as a generalist, when I was a generalist web developer, I still had a small niche that I worked with. I, I, well, it was a rather large niche. It was just e-commerce, right? Like those are the kind of projects that I wanted to work with. So at least I had some level of focus. So even if you are like that and you just cert, you're, you're just either a developer that works in a certain industry or likes a certain website type, or if you're a designer and you only deal with Figma, right? Like the application and you don't do Photoshop or whatever, right? I'm not a designer and I could be off. So please don't <laughs> throw me on this stuff. But that's enough because you're doing edu educational processes of yourself to better your business. So those are the links that you need to be sharing with your leads and clients because then that it makes them feel better that, oh, at least this person's up to date. Like, and, right. and, and hey, I'm not saying you have to create a brand new one each and every time. Have a library of these links and figure out which ones fit with the client or the lead that you're talking to at that moment in time so that then you can help them better and create, start creating that experience. Um, just as a little side note, a little, a, a tool that I've been really behind lately is Bonjuro, which is a tool that sends a personalized video from your CRM, from your email, from your email service provider and such, right? To be able to just, if somebody fills out your form on your website, it pings you on your phone and you could send a 10 to 30 second customized message. I mean, sure. it was the, the, that already you're standing at, you, you just obliterated places like Upwork and all these other, because they don't do that. Right. Well, and, and that's how we ended up having right. this conversation, right? Because I, I, Found, actually found your website through our podcast. We got a new podcast hosting company, which is, I think, the one you use. Transistor, yeah. Transistor. And um, and they were talking about you there. Oh, let me go check this guy out. It was one of those, you know, Saturdays where I'm just sort of cruising the web for fun, right? And uh, And I landed on your site, and I opted in for something. And a couple of days later, I get this weird video email. <laughs> what in the world is – in fact, I think – I think you had to send me, it got filtered the first time and, and I got a reminder. Hey, have you seen this? And I went and looked at it. I'm like, oh, wow, well, that's pretty cool. Um, in fact, I think it's so cool. We've started doing it ourselves and it's, um, we're only a couple of weeks into that little experiment, but it's working brilliantly um, because it's different and it's unique and it creates this experience and it, it creates a level of personal relationship that is really difficult to come by in business, particularly if you're doing a lot of your marketing over the web, like through LinkedIn or something like that. You want to take your level of connection with somebody to the, to the, the complete next level. Something like that. It doesn't have to be the video, but you know, I started thinking when, when you sent that to me, like imagine if I'm connecting with someone on LinkedIn and then the next thing they get from me is that video. Mm -hmm. And in that video, and I'm asking them, hey, wouldn't it be great to jump on a you know, call and get to know each other? That's going to get way more you know, response than just sending them the, the regular message that everybody's sending. So, so creating that experience is really important. I know we're getting close to our time limit here. I want to make sure we talk about recurring revenue because 
when I think about living in the feast, and I can tell you from our, our own business standpoint, I mean, we had a, a good and healthy business before we added recurring revenue. And then we added recurring revenue and it's like, I sleep like a baby now. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's night and day difference. And the difference is you create a flywheel effect in the business. So every time you make a sale, it's not a one-time thing. It compounds on everything else you've done before that. So I, I, with freelancing, how are you approaching this with the people that you coach to for them to build that in? How are you having them think about it? I have them think about what problem are they solving for their clients? And then is this problem a chronic problem? Meaning, is it something that they're going to have to solve again? Uh, for example, let's say, you know, if it's a developer who's creating some sort of custom e-commerce type stuff, or it's a seasonal business that they cater to, right? So, uh, you know, case in point, one of my coaching clients uh, was all about, I, for lack of a better term, like contractors, pool, pool, like landscapers, pool, you know, the high end kind of thing. And all of their clients were, they were mindful of the seasons of their own business, but not necessarily online. And so what they were trying to do was trying to create a year round type of service for them through online, right? And so the idea is, is you want to figure out what pain point that they have that falls into one of three buckets. One, it's more revenue, faster, right? New revenue stream or doing something that's saving them time, which ultimately increases profits on, the, on their end, right? That's every business's three buckets, right? So if you could figure out and understand your client's business at that level, you're no longer a developer. You're no longer a designer. You're now a consultant and a strategy partner for them because you understand their business as well as they do and what's important. And you can bring a different level of their business to the game, especially if you're a designer. Like if, you, if you're a designer and you know that you can get foot traffic by moving an address up in, you know, a header or, you know, Hey, look, if we do some design tweaks to your website, you know, you could get more holiday traffic in your store, but also highlight these products. You know, I'm just kind of spitballing, but you really need to kind of identify something that's important enough to them to then say, Oh, this person understands my business. That's who I want to work with, right? Um, even in the client, that's how, if you could do that time and time again, that's where the recurring revenue comes in. Um, I did it based around e-commerce, right? So there's tons of different things like shopping cart abandonment and, and product page abandonment and personalized experiences based around what they've already bought. You know, all of these kind of things. I know all that stuff. I've been doing that for a decade. So I, I can help and I know with a specific marketing plan, hey, this is going to take four, six, 12 months for us to implement, but we could do these other things in the meantime that have incremental steps and goals that we could reach so that when we finish working together, well, you have a better business. Your business has a foundation to go then, you know, if you want to do paid ads or whatever and drive traffic, all of this stuff's in there for you already. So that's how you gotta have to think 
to be really elevate yourself and live in the feast. And I have eight clients, you know, and two of them have been with me for four plus years. So it's, you know, knock on wood, I don't think they're going anywhere, but you know, like I don't need to go chase a client down because I have the, the these clients that work with me on a regular basis. Yeah. It just, it creates such stability in the business and it, it allows you then to focus on longer term bets, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's really critical, particularly with all the craziness that's out there around marketing right now. I mean, there's people that are telling you, you got to do, you know, paid ads to a webinar to, you know, a strategy call. You, you, I mean, you want to talk about the number of strategies that are out there. There's all kinds of different things you could do that are all focused on how do I get the client now? And in, in my experience, that's not a marketing problem. That, or marketing is not the tool to solve the, oh no, I got to pay the mortgage. I need a client this week. That's not where marketing comes in, right? Um, you can take these longer term approaches when you don't need the client today to eat tomorrow. Mm-hmm. When you've got a little bit of runway, now you can start on the, the client attraction side, really building up some assets that, that will work for you over time. And, um, and that's where it gets really, really powerful. So I, I love this message of, you know, really focus on a problem where you can create that recurring revenue because it takes a lot of the pressure off of the day to day. And you stand out. I mean, for a long time, I mean, I was in the, I'm in the WordPress space. So uh, how I got into the whole coaching and mentoring space and building the community around, you know, community freelancers was people were asking me like, how do you charge your monthly rates? Like there's WP curve and all these other maintenance programs out there sub $100, but you're charging a few thousand a month. What is that? So, well, I'm not, maintenance. I'm a strategy partner. I help my clients succeed in their goals online. And that's what I focus on, not a pair of hands on a keyboard. So you really have to differentiate yourself. And you do that one by experience, uh, you know, the personalized experience that you're giving your clients and two, knowing your clients based around your specialty and how you can help them best. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, this has been a lot of fun. I know we're about out of time and I know you've got a, a lot to, to do, a full calendar. So um, I just want to thank you. I mean, this has been, uh, I think, really helpful uh, always for me to hear new ideas and I hope it's been really helpful for the audience. I'm, I'm sure it has. It gives them some things to think about. So how can they go and connect with you further and kind of get more into some of the things that you're sharing? Sure. Uh, I'm at res with three Z's uh, on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. You can, my DMs are open if you want to have a conversation uh, there, or you can head over to my website, res.com. And I have all sorts of resources, my podcast, my daily podcast, where if you have more questions, I've got, I think at the time of this recording, about 225 questions answered. So you could go binge listen to that um, if you have any more questions there and, or, or just reach out to me anywhere else and um, be happy to have a conversation. Absolutely. And we'll link up all those places in the show notes. So if you're driving and listening, you can find that at, at uh, our website, unstoppableceo.net. Just look for this episode with Jason Resnick. And uh, Jason, thanks again. Great having you on and uh, look forward to connecting in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. 
help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.